0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Concentric Circles, the show about being a 21st century creative. My name is Jim Tremontana, and I am joined by Obi Fernandez, Vinny Fiorello, and John O'Diener. How are you, fellas? Great. So, we are. Well, by the time this airs, the old uh, Inevitables Kickstarter will have successfully funded. What's the ride been like, gents?
1: Dude, where to begin? Where do you want to start, Vinny? Uh, (laughs) social media
2: social media social media I I, I don't know it's you know we, we touched on it before and I'll say it again because you you always have to say it the amount of support that we've had coming out of the gate for the inevitables not only with the creative people that are in the project but the people that supported the project has blown me away blown OB away and blown John away everybody because like usually when you start a new project, it takes you know a certain amount of time for people to warm up to the idea and have a vibe and kind of get to it. But right out of the gate, people embraced it. And the gratitude that I have for the people that embraced it early and the people that continually sort of, you know, lead their friends to it and go, you should check it out. Uh, it's awesome. You know, and that's, I, I use that word a lot, but it's awesome. So Inevitables, when this airs, will be done uh, and the the campaign will be completed. And next phase would be uh, finishing off the comic side and then uh, production of the record, vinyl and things like that. So uh, one door shuts, another busy door opens. So <laughs> that's, that's sort of where we're at.
1: Yeah, yeah I've, I've been saying to people like, and they're like, oh, cool. Like, you know, the, the campaign's almost over. So you can probably like, you know, like catch your breath a little bit. And it's just like, no, that's when the real work starts. (laughs) Uh Yeah, I'm looking forward to jumping into the comic side and, uh, you know, a bit more. Um, We're in like, we're still like in the mixing process of of the last few songs. So um, yeah, we're just in it, man. So, but there's just so much cool stuff planned too that like we just have to be very intentional with everything that we kind of do at the moment. So like that's you know, like, and that word is probably the the best word to describe the headspace of the inevitables uh, between now and the next summer, even, you know?
0: Yeah.
3: And you have to plan so many things ahead of time before you launch and know what the future is going to look like. Because like, essentially, it's like a pre-order on steroids, you know? So even just like looking at the numbers, how much every single thing costs, all that kind of stuff. And then assuming that, we'll at least hit this maybe you know uh but that's been the coolest part too because even in the last week we've been seeing this wild influx of people showing up and you know i keep seeing comments where it's like oh i'm not really a vinyl guy or i'm not really a comic guy and they're giving it a shot which is the coolest thing so all these people are getting exposed to one thing or another and like it's because we're hitting it from both sides that's what makes it so much more exciting
1: Yeah, I think that's happening all around. It's happening musically too. Like I I read some like, you know, some people talking about it and they're like, oh man, like it's like this mix of like reggae and like pop punk, you know what I mean? And they're like, I I don't know, but like I'm going to give it a shot. And like, it's weird because in my head, like I haven't been thinking about it like that at all. Like I haven't even been thinking like, you know, specific genres. You know what I mean? Like I'm just like, oh, like. This is, this is the reggae part, so yeah, it should, we should do this. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it hasn't even been, like, but to hear people talk about it in that way, like, kind of got me stoked whether they liked it or didn't like it because it's just fun. And to me, I was like, oh, like, we haven't, we haven't even used these words, these terms, like, you know what I mean? But, like, other people are now defining it. And when other people start to define it, that, that means yeah. they're listening and they're talking about it. So and it's
0: working. It's <laughs> yeah. cool. And it's life of its own. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The the thing about it, I was telling Obi about it where uh, I've been paying attention to the analytics side of it. Right. So, you know, we have a Google AdWords campaign that's been going. And then we, uh, you know, once a week we would have a different uh, Facebook campaign that would go and Instagram campaign and things like that. When you start to look at people that are paying attention, you start to go, well, this is kind of crazy. It's like, very skewed, very young in the UK, right? So 13 to 17 year olds are like sort of paying attention. And then in the United States, it goes uh, 25 to 37, 24 to 37, but that's not a surprise considering the pedigree of the the music people that are involved, you know? So uh, it's just interesting. It's England and uh, Florida and California, that's the top tier. And it literally goes from teenagers to, you know, people in their mid, uh, mid twenties to mid thirties.
0: Hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. That's... <laughs> so maybe you guys are spearheading like a whole new movement of like seventh wave reggae ska. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what? I, it, it's fun for me because, you know, I did a lot of press for this and talking about, you know, Hey, what, what new bands do you like? And to be able to go, Oh yeah, there's, you know, five or six new bands that are, you know, play ska or ska punk or some like semnance in that, the sphere of, of the genre. And that's a lot more bands that I could say I like than it has been in a very, very, very long time. So cool, man. I, you feel that, I feel the wave of it kind of increasing, uh,
0: do you think this is like a, a new uh, arm of music discovery or like we on the cusp of like this type of project being like how people find out about bands in the future?
2: You know, I, I don't know if crowdfunding is like that, but I do know that the genre is just picking up more steam than it was before. Right. So I think that ska punk and ska music, I think that there's more people paying attention to it and they're younger. It's why I bring it up, you know, because Obi was like, Hey, it's some reggae, but it's pop punk too. Well, yeah, you know, it's Scott punk. Mm-hmm. It's, been, you know, it's, it's been back to whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's kids that are young that are just finding it going, I like neck deep and I like other, I like the skins in the UK, but it's like kind of combining the Skins to neck deep, which I don't see that at all. But totally. if someone's leading, you know, if it, if, what they're hearing is leading them there then i'm cool with that
1: yeah yeah for me you know i think the way i think about it and i said this to somebody uh, a couple days ago i was like dude it's just a win for everybody you know i think that the inevitables right is this was this project and we set out and we crowdsourced it and you know we got this overwhelming amount of support and we're super stoked and grateful for it but it's a, it's a win for for everyone like if you are part of the genre if you're trying to make music in the genre like you know the older i get it's not so much about like well what are we doing and what do we get it's more just like oh this is great like anytime you can you know kind of elevate or just like kind of um you know shine a light on ska music or ska punk music or, or reggae music or whatever it might be you know like you know Vinny just listed all those bands like anyone from like neck deep to the skins to the slackers like it's a win, it's just a win, you know, um, yeah, Agreed. So that, I feel that's like, kind that's like, it's like my headspace the older I get about it.
3: I feel like there's been a new um, wave of people embracing the music too so like you know you think about the 90s where like you could kind of look at the age group and know those people grew up and then now I'm noticing like having you know toured the last like 15 years and watching the different opening bands change like it was like christian metalcore bands (laughs) out of nowhere they all sound like four years strong and like you know you kind of watch this stuff happen but like playing the fest the last few years i'm seeing these like diy like super like inclusive like new wave of people that are super embracing ska like ska to network like all this other stuff where you're like whoa like this is like cool now you know it's not just like remember this so the timing of this you know and again like i like that it's like you guys are writing music that you just genuinely love that's like in your dna but the timing of it is like accidentally perfect which is so rad that's the
0: title of uh, vinny's next book accidentally (laughs) perfect (laughs) i wish yeah
2: i'll write this down real quick just to take it no royalties though, royalty free title
3: <laughs> <laughs> My lawyer's working on
2: it <laughs> You well, mean that thing that Jim just mentioned, my lawyer just texted me about it and Said everything's cool. Don't worry. <laughs> cool
0: So good to hear, hear that Well I think now that we're talking about You know like ska music and uh, ska punk And and, and the 90s and, and how it is still alive and well Is a nice segue into our guest today What do you guys think? Yeah. Sure It'd be a good time to introduce. Well, today uh, we're welcoming to the show Matt Appleton, who is uh, based out of Vermont. He is a saxophonist and a multi-instrumentalist record producer, best known as the saxophone player and vocalist for the legendary ska band Real Big Fish. Uh, he is a graduate of Skidmore College and also Full Sail University. He is also the recipient of a ni- 2019 Grammy Award nomination for his work on "Made in America" by the Fever 333 as well as two aria awards for his work on silver chairs young modern that is crazy
3: that's i didn't know so, that cool. <laughs> oh I'm gonna, I'm gonna lord out on this
0: yeah yeah um as a member of real big fish matt plays thousands of shows a year actually you know 200 plus <laughs> years worldwide all over the world um he is also a career touring musician and a member of the pop songwriting doer, duo Peter Panic and composes for extreme music, super pop and kingdom to division of APM. So you've heard his music all over television. He is a master of disaster. He is Matt Appleton. Matt, welcome to the inner circle. Come on in.
4: Yeah. Hello.
3: Great to be what here. An intro, damn. That is that was quite the intro. <laughs>
2: That was, the, that was heavy lifting, man. I got
1: to be honest with you. <laughs> oh. Super heavy lifting. But it's cool because we're just going to talk about silver chair all night now. Yeah, that's fine with
3: me. <laughs> By the way, I'm actually going to talk about it. So I'll, <laughs> I'll let you guys take it for now.
1: <laughs> no, that's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. And Matt, for people who don't know who are just tuning in before we jump into our topic, Matt uh, arranged all the horns that you hear on The Inevitables. So it's actually him actually playing saxophone. So tenor, Barry and trumpet. Mm-hmm. And some alto sax on there too. A couple Is it songs. Some alto? Okay. There
4: you go. Yeah. There you go. Throw it in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <And> the, <laughs> the reggae parts has some alto.
2: If anyone mentions alto sax, right? I, I immediately go right. Like it goes right there of the dude in lost boys, like playing right. sax with like no shirt and the big thing. And like just doing leather pants, like kind of happening. So alto sax, just to let everybody know, it just like it goes right there. Like, <laughs> the
4: I've, I've the been recording it. Big D in the kids' table over the last few months, and and on our last session, we were recording the horn section, and we watched that scene from Lost Boys it, that came up that day too. It's yeah, you need the influence. <laughs> yeah. I, I
2: would pay money to see John Deegan like out there doing like his best like Lost Boys like sex guy.
4: It <laughs> happened. It it did happen. <laughs> <laughs> Shirt on or shirt off? Uh shirt shirts on. Oh. Shirts on for yeah, I know, I know. Well, you know. I'm stickler
2: for uh, you know authenticity. So
1: exactly. shirt,
2: you know <laughs> yeah. call somebody into oiling them up, like we need someone to oil John Deegan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's yeah, there's a there's the runner. Call <laughs> the runner more oil.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> dude, uh well, first, thank you for doing amazing work on The Inevitables because, like, uh, jumping in on an idea with lunatics, like texting and calling and emailing, going, do you want to do this? And it takes a, a leap of faith to, to kind of jump in and, and go, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll go for the ride with you guys and hope it works out. And that, that, that's a cool thing. So thank you for that because the first time that I heard and I'm going to beat Obi to it. The First time I heard Fort Lauderdale Horn Park come through, I was like, This is fucking gold. Like, I was like, This yeah. is great. Like, so, uh, thank you. And it's been a cool ride. And the ride's ending well, this portion of the ride's ending. And then, it's go- yeah, it's, it's,
4: yeah, it's wild. Thank you for including me. It's It's been an absolute blast working on this stuff. It, uh, writing, you know, doing horn arrangements is my favorite thing to do and it's my specialty and, and any chance to get to do it is awesome. And to get to do it with, uh, people I respect and admire and have, uh, whose music I've enjoyed over the years is, is extra special. It's awesome, man. It's awesome. That's
1: sick. Well, yeah. that being said, Vinny, what are we talking about family, man? What's, what's you know, the topic dude,
2: after, after hearing, uh, and reading, but after hearing Jim kind of go through, uh, your bio, right? And the the first time that I met you, you're just like, you were playing in Goldfinger while we were on tour together. And I was like, oh, and we met and whatever. But it wasn't until much later that I knew that, you know, you had a lot more going on than just the sax player or vocalist of, of a ska punk band, right? And when I had a chance to read through the bio, immediately the, what I wanted this uh, episode to be uh, – I wanted to be about adapting and about pivoting uh from situation to situations cuz here you are you went to college and graduated and then okay and then it went on from there and then going from uh goldfinger into real big fish into writing and recording and producing other bands and everything that happened in between it, it it's a perfect time to talk about adapting in situations for creatives and knowing when to pivot, man. There's a point in time where I know I've I've sat there and went, okay, I feel that I need to to make that right. I don't I can't keep on going in the arc. I have to get off the ride and and, and get to something else. And uh, tonight we're gonna to talk about pivoting and we're gonna talk about adapting when you're a creative. So let's do this. All right.
1: Sick. So how long after How'd you link up with, how'd you link up with the, uh, the Nick Lanay connect? Cause um, he did, like, those records are like epic records.
4: Yeah, he's fantastic. Um, I, that was, uh, uh, through Full Sail. So, you know, Full Sail's big pitch to people is that they've got this career services department and they can help you get, you know, get into the business. <laughs> and that actually did, did work out for me. I, um, after I graduated from Full Sail, I got in my Toyota Corolla wagon and, drove to Los Angeles with all my stuff. I'd never been to Los Angeles before. And um, I showed up there and uh, started looking for an apartment, had all my stuff in my car and was sitting in front of a Trader Joe's. And I got a call from Full sale saying that they had an internship opportunity um, through another Full Sail grad named Adam Greenspan. Mm-hmm. And he was the engineer for Nick Launay. And so I went in the very first day I got to LA, I went in and talked to Nick and Adam and got an internship which turned into an assistant engineer position pretty quickly. Yeah.
1: So which of those which of those records did you get to work on? Because he's done like
4: everything from like arcade fire, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Oh I I I I so with Nick I've worked um with silver uh, Silverchair, as you heard, the Ataris, uh The Vales, uh the Young Knives. Um great English band that haven't I don't know how they haven't really gotten popular in America, but man, this record that we did, Young Knives, is awesome. Um, And uh, is that it? That might be it. Nope, there's one more band, Faculty X. (laughs) Uh, That was uh, with um, Bobby Alt, was the drummer for that. You guys know Bobby Alt from Street Drum Corps. Right.
1: That's um, Ari, Ari Nisman used to talk about that band all the time, Street Drum Corps.
4: Yeah, yeah. So this is yeah. like before Bobby started Street Drum Corps with, uh, with uh, Frank. Um, he had this band. It was re- And it was one of the guys from Stun. So it was like Stun and Street Drum Corps. Anyways, like a How goth, goth band. Tw- uh, gosh, it was, uh, 23? Wow. 24? 23, first time in Los Angeles. Yeah. Worked out, right? <laughs> yeah yeah it, it it's it's wild it really like it got going on day one like I, I didn't get there and wonder what I was going to do it uh, like uh, everything kind of started happening right away just you
1: know, w- this is a story this 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 story never exists like this <laughs> is a very right this is like unique
4: yeah do
1: we all agree on that
3: yeah and and like the fact that you like you did go to school you know and the thing is that's not even guaranteed where like a lot of people think like especially with the name full sale, they 're like, "Well, if I go there, it works, but you like are the success story of that, which is super rad
4: yeah there's a uh, i mean yeah like ninety five percent of the people that go to full sale don't end up that's probably even less than that i, I don't know many people that have gone to full sale that are still working at least people I graduated with um, There's only a handful um, my only Knowledge of it was through uh, another Skidmore College graduate named Rob Hoffman, who did quite well working with Michael Jackson and uh, Christina Aguilera, among others, and he suggested that Full Sail wouldn't be a bad idea. Hmm. Um, that's how I ended up there, and I, I didn't really know what I, what I was in for going there. Um, uh, it's a good curriculum. Uh, I wouldn't go do it again. But it's, it is a good curriculum. The student experience, what, I didn't enjoy that, like the actual experience of being there. But I learned a lot, and the professors were really awesome. And it, it did set me on the right path.
2: Hmm. You know, the, the thing that, you know, when I, I live in Florida, so Full sales is always this, like, all-encompassing uh, place where if you're even remotely uh, interested a little bit where you're like, I kind of, you know, want to learn how to, you know, be a studio engineer or I want to learn live sound or I want to do whatever Ah, I got to go to full set, you know, and take out loans and do this. And I've talked to a few people. And in fact, a a few of them were interning for paper and plastic uh, in their like sort of off time between semesters and between things. And I went, well, hey, did you ever go, you know, to the local like punk club and go, hey, can I mix You know your bands and can i do whatever well no i go so what you're telling me is you'd rather spend tens of thousands of dollars for this experience right instead of just heading over to the punk club and going hey i just want to come and mix some of your bands and i kind of hang out and, and do the thing can i can i do that and i guarantee you most punk clubs would go come on in let me like do your thing like because half the guys don't even want to be there that are running sound
3: in those clubs. Right. So and they go, Oh, for free. Okay. Yeah.
2: You know, yeah. So, so for me, like, you know, being in the shadow of that, you know, and, and knowing people that went there, you, you do have a success story, right. Where you went there and you said, I'm heading out to California because that's where people go. Right. Like, yeah, I, I wanted to, you know, be an engineer. Well, you have California and you have New York and, maybe Chicago a little bit, right? Like you have some of that, but California is the the place. And for you to get there and, you know, start or at least, you know, say what's up and then go, yeah, I'm going to start this. Dude, that's that's the ultimate in pivot, to be honest with you, because that's betting only on yourself that you're going to drive across country in your whatever with all your shit and back and that you're going to make it work and that there's something that's waiting for you from education to real world application that takes courage, but that takes belief in yourself. Right. And that's, that's a bold move for a 23 year old, 24 year old. That's, that's bold. So kudos, you know,
4: thank you.
3: And did you consider yourself um, because, you know, you've been playing sax and like doing horn arrangements and all that kind of stuff. Did you think you were going to be, engineer or did you think you were going to be in a band playing a horn of some sort like did you have like one or the
4: other you favorite at the time um i i didn't see a viable path to being a performing musician um you know I, I grew up in vermont and then i went to college in upstate new york i wasn't involved in any scene as a kid because vermont didn't really have much going on uh i didn't I just didn't see a path for, for being in a band or, or, I, you know, I had bands, uh, and I, I loved playing, but I, I didn't see how that was going to work. So I, and, um, uh, Skidmore had a recording studio and I started, uh, using the recording studio when it was available and taking the recording studio classes at Skidmore. And I just fell in love with it. It was the first thing I ever found in my entire life where I could stay inside on a nice, warm, sunny day in, in the Northeast, you know, and not want to be outside doing, I, I really enjoy outdoor activities. And this was like the first time I ever found something where I could stay inside work all day and never look at the clock. And I was like, Oh, well, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, also I was, I, you know, at Skidmore, I was surrounded by all these fantastic musicians and it was really intimidating. And I was like, well, if all these people want to be professional musicians, uh, I've got a lot, and this is just at one school, I've got an awful lot of competition. Um, I've got to figure out where my strengths lie and um, how I can find a way in where I can make this my life and not just a a thing that I do for fun on the side. So uh, it landed on engineering, uh, yeah, for all those reasons. I I never thought that I'd actually be in a band.
2: So, I mean... Go with that, right? So you're out in California, you meet a bunch of people, you work on some good records, right? We're not going to skip over to Silver Chair record. We'll come back and let John <laughs> and sort of do whatever he wants to do. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a point where you started to uh, get into the gravity of, of John Feldman, which got you into the gravity of what he has around him, which at that time was a lot of, of ska, ska punk, right, from Goldfinger but yep. also uh, pop punk and, and that, you know, brought a lot of, I know The use was probably around that time with you, right? Yep, that's uh, right. And so you're, you're there now, right? And John's bringing in the, the sort of gravity of people. Like, how do you jump into John going, dude, you know Sax, you're the dude, we need Superman horns. You're like, you're on, let's go. Like, is that it? Like, you're the dude because you were there?
4: Um. So the the first record I worked on uh, with Feldman was a band called Bottom Line. They were on Maverick Records. I don't know if they ever opened up for Less Than Jake or anything. Um, they could have. They they got a bunch of open slots. They were they their the record never came out. You know, Maverick went out of business. <laughs> I didn't remember all that. So that my first record I ever worked on got shelved. Um, but on that record they wanted horns on a song, and John was talking about uh, you know getting uh, Jason Fries and Gabe McNair uh, to do horns. Cause he, that's what he usually did. And I was like, I can play horns. And he's like, Oh, uh, okay. Give it a shot. You know, I'd, I'd been there for a couple months already and I didn't mention it. Um, so he just let me take a crack at a song and he liked it. And then, uh, we did some demos with good Charlotte right after that, that involved some horn stuff. And so I, I, I played a trombone solo on, on this good Charlotte demo and he really liked that. And then, um, next time goldfinger went on tour he said come along and play saxophone um but i, I like he, he didn't know that i played horns when i got the job there and i worked for him for a couple months before uh that it came up at all i didn't like push it or anything
2: yeah i mean at that point you were just going you know i just want to you know you're you're you resided yourself i'm not going to put words in your mouth but i from what you're saying you kind of went well i'm not going to be a, mu- a touring musician so let me just concentrate on like the studio gigs and now i'm working with john who's you know at that time well it's still now but at that time was you know used was just like white heat man just was on fire and right like and as a producer that's what you know brought you know i i'm from the outside not necessarily if this is correct but from the outside that's what brought him to the 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 top of producing people want to work with him and and do all that you know right so so for me i i think that you know you're concentrated you're not mentioning the horns but here you are though and again like i bring it back to that pivot it's hey you you saw the opportunity and you went i can play horn let me take let me take the crack right and that 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 led you down another path and i always find this like interesting right like that there's random if you look at it just from the top you know random uh, circles that are around and that occasionally they just bump into each other and then they go it It goes to another direction right and i always think that's what people are the creatives are they're in the mix and they're doing what they love but they just happen you know hit that like random hookup you know that random hey you should do this and, and come this way and you you go that way with it, you know, and that current, and it follows the current. And creatives are very, like, uh, adaptable that way and okay with going with the current, right? And I know that from my past, yeah, you know, it's, you know, going to college, but we're playing in a band, and then it starts to become popular. And then you start to go, we could do this, and you just start to follow the current, and you're okay with it. But if I was, you know, in the back of my brain, if I was – You know, looking at a finance degree and doing this, and I had another path. It would be so strict that it wouldn't allow for that bend and to go with the current. But the creative, it allows for uh, that—the ability to follow where the vibe is and have these like happy accidents that happen. And like when I go through your your bio, and I'm thinking to myself, "Fuck, man! Like this is all cool random occurrences that led to cooler things." down the line. And dude, that's, that's uh, like, that makes me happy. Like I get happy because that's not like a a, a normal story, right? Like, and for, for you to have that and have, you know, the knowledge and continually building on your past in a great way, dude, that's, that's awesome. And it's a lesson learned for other creatives is is why I bring it up.
1: That's cool. I'm curious. what, What was like, did the headspace change? So from like driving your Toyota across country to linking up with the first studio gig, to then eventually linking up with like Feldman, like kind of like what Vinny was talking about, like what was the headspace th- th- that whole time where you're just like, I'm just going to be open to whatever, you know what I mean? Um, or were you like, I'm just, I'm just scared. And, but like, what, like what's going through your mind in all of these phases? Cause like, you know, you drive out there with nothing, you get a phone call. Now you have something and then something turns into another thing.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's all it was. You know, I, I was going out there in hopes that um, the the goal, you know, I had my resume made up and I had (laughs) made lots of phone calls and I, when I got to LA, I delivered my resume to all, all the different big recording studios, you know, they were all still open at the time. And I went around and I handed in my resume to just get a runner position at every single big recording studio. And, um, but I got that internship right away at the other place. I still applied to all these other places. Uh, I didn't, none of those landed by the way. Nobody got back to me (laughs) until like three years later Sound City called me. No way. On from Sound City called me like three years later and was like, we have a runner position open. We still have your resume and file. And (laughs) I was like, I've, I've already got a handful of top 10 billboard records now. Like I'm cool. Thank you. But we need yeah. coffee. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, so I, I was—I was. My plan was to get to try to get a runner position at a big studio and see where it went from there. I didn't know past that. You know, I, I had no idea. I just figured you get that runner position and you work your way up. I That's, think
3: the, the advantage you have to—it seems like you don't—you're not actively pursuing certain things. You know what I mean? And and that mentality is what helps you get more uh opportunities so for example like you know you not going to John Feldman going by the way I I I could play like a bunch of horn stuff eh?" like like if you cross that line you kind of ruin these opportunities for a lot of people like uh and I'm sure like all of us in the chat have like similar situations where like someone will do something and then almost immediately you just go okay like I know the intention of this person so if your intention was, I really want to get into Goldfinger, it'd be a lot harder to get that job with John Fellman to work in the studio. And then, you know, so I feel like the way you approach things is you actually did the hard work, then you showed up, and then good things start rolling out because you were like, no, I put in the work for things. I'll, I also happen to know how to do this other stuff. So what was like, so you're in a touring band, you're with uh, so it starts with Goldfinger. What happens after that? Like what's the next band you end up uh, getting a gig with? Uh,
4: I mean, that was it. I was just touring with Goldfinger while I was engineering for Feldman. And that when I, I stayed at Feldman's for five years and, um, with with Goldfinger, um, didn't, I mean, I, I, I would, I played horns on a lot of the records that we did, you know? So, um, uh, but as far as live performances go, I, uh, there was a band called Beat Union that I would mm-hmm. play with.
1: I was actually just about to bring them up.
4: Love Beat Union. Dave. Yeah. I love Beat Union. Yay, cool. That's, uh, I love that band so much. Yeah, it was, uh, I have all sorts of Beat Union stories. They're one of my favorites. Um, so uh, I, uh, you know, still the, the playing shows and, and touring was just something I did when Goldfinger went on tour. And otherwise I was just in the studio. I, I just went wherever Feldman went right? So when he was on tour, I'd go on tour and play. And then when we're off tour, I'm in the studio making records. Um, and I didn't really, I wasn't looking to, to be in a band. Um, so I stayed working with Feldman for five years. And then eventually I got um, a job producing a record of uh, uh, an artist of my own. And uh, it was a good paying gig. And it was a, a we were it was kind of a slow time at, at Feldman's. We had just finished up with Foxy Shazam. And uh, there was did a you bit play of free time. on
2: that? Yes. Yeah, that's great.
4: Yeah. Uh, not uh, not Trumpet. They have a trumpet player, but I did all the other stuff. Um, yeah, that I love Foxy Shazam. Their okay. new song sounds great too. Agreed. Uh, um, so yeah, after Foxy Shazam, I went off and produced a lady named Stacy Clark. And um, and then that was kind of like my foot out the door leaving John's I kept coming back and um, like I I worked a little bit on um, Panic at the Disco record uh, while I was working with Stacy Clark kind of you know just make sure I wasn't leaving John hanging um, so he had time to find somebody else Um, so I worked on Panic at the Disco and then after that I I ended up um, moving to New York City uh, and living there at least part-time and um, working with this uh, like upstart artist development company and uh, spent just about a year um, doing a lot of like, a lot of like pop kids, like Disney pop, like actual Disney radio pop. And um, not stuff that ever went anywhere that I know of. Um, The artist that I worked with the most that did the best was Rachel Platten. So I did a bunch of stuff with Rachel Platten that actually never came out um her career's taken off since then, but um the EP I did with her was fantastic. And then while I was working with Rachel in New York City, I, I got a call from Aaron from Real Big Fish asking if I'd join the band and I said, Oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah. like, so cool. what made you want to do that? That's that's what
3: I'm curious about. Like like if you were already in your world playing with other people like on records, was there an enticing enough thing to go on tour, or was it just because it was Real Big Fish and you were like familiar and all that?
4: I mean yeah, I was familiar with real big fish and I liked real big fish and i'd i'd toured with real big fish through goldfinger you know i i'd i'd done u s tours i'd i'd been to england i'd been to uh australia and south america with real big fish around you know uh you know as as part of the part of the tour um and i always liked the band and you know i i always wanted to be in a band and and to to get to actually be in a band and, and not just be like You know, with Goldfinger, I was never really in the band. I was I was playing with them, but I wasn't in the band. Um, But yeah, to to get to be in a great band like Real Big Fish, yeah, Uh, there there was no way I was going to say no to that. Uh, I mean, it was uh, honestly, it was a big pay cut, Um, but that that doesn't matter. Uh, It was it was just a really cool opportunity that I didn't expect and never never like it wasn't a goal of mine you know it wasn't something i was trying to do and it kind of came out of nowhere um did but you, I, I wasn't going to turn it down
2: did you think that when you started touring because <clears throat> rib fish that that's that's full tour right that's you know no uh, minimal time off a lot of time on the road and did you did you find it was hard to kind of strike a balance between you were doing studio work and I've seen you with my own eyes, like hold up in a corner, headphones on, you know, trying to work it out. But that was later when you, you know, you, you found the balance, but did you find it hard when you started to go, okay, here's, we're on the road for six months and you still wanted to, you know, explore producing, explore engineering, you know, uh, you know, playing on other records, being called in to be the horn player for whatever projects like was the hard balance, Where between touring and that other part?
4: Yeah. I mean, it pretty, it, it, it pretty much stopped my engineering and production career in its tracks, you know, um, for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And that was something I was willing to let happen. Um, and I, I, my life would look very, very different right now. Had I said no to being in real big fish and just kept at the engineering and producing thing full time. And I, I don't know where maybe it would have worked out great. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, I don't regret what I did, but yeah. uh, you know, um, but yeah, after a couple of years, you know, thank goodness the technology has, has changed so much and I can have my MacBook with me and ha- have like a full studio rig with me wherever I go now and, and can make really great recordings anywhere. And that, you know, you've seen me in dressing rooms.
2: Absolutely.
4: Um, and, and so, and then having, you know, it's actually, it actually helped out my horn recording game a lot because people would, would get excited to have the real big fish horn section on their records. And I'd be like, well, I've got the guys with me right now. I'm on tour. We can record it in the dressing room. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing horn section stuff in the dressing rooms. Um, and I would just try to get as much tracking done for other projects while I was at home as I could and then bring the editing on the road and um, uh, made it work, you know?
2: Yeah. Dude, the, the real big fish horn section, the, the later era, that was the hardest. I always thought to myself, like, there is the hardest working horn section, man. Like, I, I would walk past the room, and you'd be in front of the computer. you got your cans on. You're doing some type of work. I'd, like, go to, like, look for a place or try to get out of the building and get lost in a maze. I would run into Johnny Christmas, who that dude's practice ethic – is unparalleled by anyone that I know. It is absolutely insane. And I told insane. him, every time, I go, dude, like, I wish that I could be just that like passionate about my instrument that you're, you're there. And he's like, you can be. And I'm like, that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, this is something that's in him, you know, and Billy cottage same thing. Like that dude guessed on everything. Like, I'm going to bring my, I'm going to have the organ over here and I'm going to play, you know, a song over here, trombone. I'm going to play trombone on this set. I'm going to come in and guest over here. Dude, that's the the hardest working thing. And I, I think to myself, I'm like, dude, like that's, if you were in a band right now and that's touring the world, you guys are the epitome of what every other band member and every other band should be doing. They should just be going, well, my passion is to record bands, so I'm going to continue to do that, and I'm going to play in this band, right? Like, And I, I want to play more of my instruments, so I'm going to practice. I'm going to be, I'm going to hone my craft. Like, dude, that's so jealous of of you guys. Like, me, I'm just like a, you know, troll under the bridge looking at the internet, like <laughs> talking to people. Ah, like, no, more <laughs> T-shirts, best T-shirts or whatever, right? Cool. Like, uh, But you guys were taking the opportunity that – was was placed in, in into yours, your orbit and you were using it in the correct way that creative should be. Hey, you can make some money here. You could be doing this, but you could also follow your passion and hone your craft and do everything else on this side. And dude, like that's that uh, for concentric circles for me, I always try to lead back to that, that you could do two things. You can have one gig but you could have passion for the other and you continue to grind at it and keep on going. Like that's the beautiful thing about being a creative. You can live in four or five worlds. You can be that circle that is following the current and then hits another circle and go, we should do a shirt together. Or I, should, I want to play trombone on your thing, or I want to do whatever. That's the beautiful thing, man. That's the beautiful thing that someone who's just sitting there and in, in an office that's typing away on their computer thinking about whatever bottom line or whatever margin or whatever marketing plan. No offense, John. I know that's what the marketing plan guy, but like you know, <laughs> doing all that and just not letting that other light into your world. Like I, I I'm blown away that like people just kind of stay on that path and ignore that light trying to get in.
1: Yeah. know I'll never forget uh, like one of the first times like Westbound did stuff with really fish. And I remember I feel like the first show we met up was like a show in like Colorado and like the energy was awesome. And like Westbound, like went and like did our thing and we felt really good about the show. Um, And then I remember you guys came on and I was just like, and we all just like watched and it was like, seriously, and you know us pretty well. Like we're, we nerd out pretty hard. And I just remember kind of like, yo, we need to, like, step up our game times, like, a 100, if, if anything, because we were, you know, we were an opener on that tour or whatever the case is. But, dude, the band was just so tight. I think at the time it was, like, Raylan was still playing drums. uh, Matt Wong was still in the band. But, like, dude, everything just hit. Everything was just so precise, and everything grooved really hard. It was – I just remember, like, being, like, holy crap. Like, we got to, like – Everybody in my band was like, "Okay, we gotta like step it up so hard, just to, be, to have like, you know." It was amazing. So I, the was incredible. Dude,
2: I love when that happens, though. That's you know, you're in <clears throat> the core and you're like, "Oh shit!" The like the band that you know you're playing with went. That was really good. We gotta we get we have to do something now. Like whatever it is, like red yeah. alert. And I, I like bands that that are reactive that way. You know that yeah. oh shit, we just got this was amazing. We have to rise to the occasion or we're going to look like fucking douchebags or whatever. Yeah, like,
1: we, we were like nerdy about stuff, but like we we were also like pretty hyper competitive, especially like we just wanted not to land. Stuff. What's that? I said, not you. Oh, dude.
2: You know <laughs> I'm
1: just like, what? Yeah. I won't even let my daughter play on my basketball team. I want not win. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I seriously won't. Um, <laughs> but like, Yeah, no, we, like, especially in the later years of Westbound, like, we, yeah, it just became, and and every, anytime we, like, came, we knew that we were going to do, be on the same bill or whatever, it was just, like, I love that, you know what I mean? I love that, like, yeah, I love that, that spirit of, like, dude, this is going to be great, you know what I mean? And it's not necessarily that I'm competing with you personally, it's just that, like, you guys are incredible, you're around incredible people, so, like, you, like, you want to elevate your game, you just want to, you know, leave your mark, so...
2: You also want to get that shine on though, too. You know, it's like, if you, if you're around people that are, are great at their craft, there's a little bit of shine that happens too. Right. Like, and that's the beautiful thing about working with a lot of people and I'll bring it back to the inevitables, like having the amount of, of, of talent that's in the pool that we're all hanging out in. Seriously. Dude, that the shine is, is is great, man. To like off of each other and, being able to go, yeah, like I'm, I'm not going to try to micromanage these things because the shine, man, is there. I, I don't, I don't need to like try to like make a shadow, right? Like I, I want people to step forward and do it. And real big fish was always a band, like in my opinion, that the shine off a of stage and talent is always immense, man. Like and and this era, real big fish, just just monster players, great craft of a show. You know, I give it up to Aaron, like, dude, dude knows how to craft a show in a very subtle way, but people love that, I, I, you know, that subtlety of what Aaron Barrett is, people love it, and I watched side of the stage and went, yeah, like, and, yeah, and that's true, it, true. but, like, you know, so, you're here now, man, and let's just talk about it, it's, you got a full-time gig. Well, when you do have, you know, when tour goes back into to full swing. Right. 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 Uh, you have, you have real fish. You've been, you know, in that downtime, you've been doing a lot of engineering work. I, I, you know, and producing work with uh, big D and the kids table. I do know that. Right. Yeah. And uh where like, what do you think? What's the next pivot man for, for you? Like are you just are on the arc of living in both worlds or like who knows?
4: Well, right. I mean, this year's thrown us all for a loop, right? So, uh, you know, I, I was cruising on working on whatever projects I came my way and felt like working on not worrying about the money so much because Rubik fish provides my, my basic income and anything else on top of that is, is nice, but I'm okay otherwise, but now that's gone. And, uh, so I'm, I am, I'm having to like, Reevaluate and and figure out what I'm going to do. And I just moved away from Los Angeles to Vermont at, while this happened. that all happened in March. I moved in March. I got I got off tour. I got COVID, and I moved. This is, and sold my house in California. and Came back to Vermont all in the same month. Oh my gosh! And and like everything's different now. You know, um, so I'm trying to figure out what to do. Um,
2: why, why the Why the move to Vermont? If you don't mind me asking.
4: Um. Well, I met a girl first and (laughs) foremost (laughs) and uh, I met her on tour in Thailand five years ago and she lives in New Hampshire. Uh, My family still lives in Vermont. I wanted to be closer to my parents. You know, they're getting older and I wanted to be around to help them out. And um, the housing market was up in California. I saw it as a good opportunity to unload my house. And uh, and I was tired of being scared about the fires all the time. I lived in the mountains up by Big Bear. Yeah. And it was just like every year there was like a fire, like within a mile of my house. And I was sick of getting those text alerts in the middle of the night to like get your stuff together and be ready to evacuate. And it was like, oh, um, so a, a number of reasons.
2: I, w- and- I, w- I would think that Vermont and where you live, like near Big Bear, it's a very similar, at least vibe, right? Like Yeah.
4: Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, what I always wanted up in, in, big bear was to like have a destination recording studio and it, it never quite materialized just cause I was so busy with real big fish. So I think that's the next thing here, you know, I've been looking for property. I want to have a destination recording studio. I've, 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 um, moved into a recording studio that was built by some college friends that they never used. So I'm in their beautiful studio. That's in a barn next to their house right now. Um, and that's good for now, but you know, I'd like to have a destination studio for bands to come to and be able to live at. Um, that's in long term in the future, in the meantime i'm uh working with my partner from Peter Panic on more stuff for extreme music and um uh, I've, I've 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 done a lot of work with dreamworks t v doing a lot of children's music and they've been bought out by n b c universal it's turned into a new a new thing and uh we're trying to crank out children's songs for them so I'm doing children's musical a lot of that that's that's looking like what my fall's going to be after I'm finished with Big D and the Kid's Table and the inevitables it's uh um, writing songs for little kids. That's awesome. That's awesome. Getting my uh, my bells and my ukulele out and being silly.
2: You know what? You know the question that I have, and uh, well, I'll 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 put a like sort of uh, a lead up into it. We did uh, myself and Obi. We did Jarrett from uh, Bowling for Soup's show podcast. Yeah, and, and he was like. Everybody always asks, like, how do you get how do you get the gig in like with a voiceover and how do you get the gig doing these other things, right? And I'm not gonna ask you how you get your gig with a, a kids thing, but knowing that I, I wrote a, a kid's book and I put to be able to write that, you put yourself into that situation, right? And you like go, Oh, this is what I loved when I was a kid, so I'm gonna pour it into this and, and see if the passion still kind of comes through, right? Mm-hmm. The thing that, for me, how do you, like, what's the headspace of going in to write children's music where you're like, all right, like, we got the, the, the ukulele, the glockenspiel, like, yeah. hey, I need a, a set of finger symbols and, like, we can do this or, or what? Like, where do you, what's the inspiration from? How do you get
4: there, right? Well, it, it's not far off from Real Big Fish, really. It's, it's, uh, it, it's absurdity is, is what you're looking for. You're looking, you just you get to be silly. And so you you think about what's silly and ridiculous, and uh, and then you go that route, and you don't have to worry about it, is this cool? Does this sound cool? You're like, no, the kids kids don't care if it's cool. You're you're being goofy. Uh, you're you're being silly and having fun, and so that's what we focus on. Is it fun? Is it silly? Is, is it ridiculous? Uh, that, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. That's all it is, and and, and it's 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 a really nice thing. It's fun jumping back and forth between like the serious rock music world and pop music world and, and then writing music that is just completely ridiculous. And I feel like
3: there's like a a decompression thing with that too, you know, like you could kind of like recharge your batteries. It's like, if you watch like a horror movie and you're like, I don't want to go to bed on this note. And then you're like, let's watch Ghostbusters. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And like, I have a, my nephew just turned three and he's watching like Yo Gabba Gabba and Blippy and like all of these, you know, kid shows. And now like YouTube is such a big thing too, which is wild. Uh, so like, do you do like research into like children's TV shows or like, how does that or is it just naturally like, no, this is just what we do. Like, I don't know if there's like a market or like a, a way you have to like cater the stuff you're doing to it.
4: Yeah, there, there. I mean, there isn't, there isn't. Yeah, I mean, the Aquabats and and Yo Gabba Gabba and 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 all that. That huge inspiration, and I I look to them, for sure, uh, and I I definitely I watch a lot of cartoons. Um, the the people I share the recording studio with have a three year old, and he's got stuff <laughs> on all the time, so it, it works out really great. I've got a test subject, and they've got stuff that they're they've just got YouTube on loop you know they've got playlists and they just loop things and uh so i see a lot of that stuff and and that's what i'm doing all the stuff i do for dreamworks and mbc it's all internet content um because parents it, just
2: like is it just is it just things that are for the internet yep wow it's wild. you know what when you're just for talking it reminding me of perry grip nerf from nerf Herder.
4: oh yeah perry yeah he's he's great and that he's a great example of of being silly and absurd
2: the, the the my daughter when she was growing up the, there was a song that would she would play Roblox and there would be a song in there it would be
0: it's raining tacos from out of the sky tacos.
2: <laughs> and, and I'd be like this, is, this song is so fucking catchy but so like annoying and she would leave it on seriously it would be on like repeat for hours that thing would just be like and yep. I went I have to figure out who wrote that and I just like went Raining tacos, and, and and looked it up and I went Perry Grip, Nerf herder. Well, I went, oh my god! And then I looked, and he has a massive career, in, in that sort of absurdist, like to put your like sort of spin on absurdist like children's music. You know, it's raining tacos, yep. I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and wow, like that's yep. that like blew me away to find out. And I remember talking to him. It was the real big fish show in Orlando, and I came down to say hi. And he was there. He's like, Hey, uh, when you were working at Warner brothers and you, uh, turned me down. I was like, dude, no, (laughs) he spun it on me. Like real quick. I was like, no, like I wasn't there for that, but damn, my daughter loves the raining taco song. (laughs)
4: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It was, it was real awesome getting to do that, that tour that last summer with Bowling for Soup and Nerf Herder and, and the Aquabats. And it was like, like all these dudes who do all this amazing goofy children's music, and uh, so I got to have some really nice conversations with both Jarrett and Perry uh, about how to do it better. I mean, those two are both geniuses when it comes to that stuff.
2: Yeah, that's that's a thing, man. That's the circles running into each other on the random thing, man, and go and it makes it go a different way. And yeah, right, I, I I I love the story. I love the 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 reasoning behind it that there is no reason it's random man. And you let yourself as a creative go with that and
4: follow the inspiration. I try to, I try to say yes to things, you know,
1: stay open and adapt, open and Mm -hmm. adapt.
4: That's right. You never know where it's going to lead. Yeah, man. Bam. Matt.
2: You have anything to plug? Like, you know, tell us, what, what, what do you want people to know about Matt Appleton? Like, plug away.
4: Well, I've got this really rad studio across the river from Dartmouth College in Vermont, and I want to record some bands. Send uh, me demos.
2: How do people do that? Like, just hit you up on uh, Facebook? Or... Yeah,
4: hit, hit me up on my, my Instagram. That's a great way to get in touch with me. Uh, Instagram or direct message on Twitter. Uh, it's at Matt Appleton in both uh, on both platforms. Awesome, man. Awesome.
2: Well, dude, man, th- thanks for coming by and, and talking with us. It's always awesome to catch up. And, and again, man, like, I'm just going to uh, wrap it with this, that, like, knowing you from before and then being able to see the entire picture of Matt Appleton, it excites me more. Like, a great dude, Matt Appleton, like, good tour mate, right? But just awesome story man and and this great vibe and great like this ideas of where it started to where it is now man and and thanks for sharing it i, I appreciate it, it makes yeah. me completely stoked and, and smiley about
4: it <laughs> yeah hey, oh thank you and yeah i think you and me have I, i've been on more tours with you than anybody else in the yeah. world of- <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Man, that dude! I told you, I told you, he was a badass. What did I tell you in the beginning of this thing, man? Dude, you said is, he was a badass. And dude has
1: <laughs> he said, some. You said he was a heavy hitter.
0: Heavy hitter, heavy hitter in a lot of angles. So yeah, man, kids, go look him up on the Instagram and the Twitter, and go to his fancy new studio. He was uh, talking about how he wants people to come live with him. He wants, he wants to live with you and make rock and roll Yeah. <laughs> 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 You know these records I got to sell, and um, I think, like what you guys were talking about in the beginning, um, about how it's kind of come full circle around how the you know SCOB and punk and and the, this this music is getting really popular again. And I think the time is right for for the Inevitables in particular, and just like this whole you know squad of amazing musicians and producers keeping it going. So I say hats off to Matt Appleton for keeping that. <laughs> that's great so, man you know I, uh, what? I'd Do the plug before we uh, head on out
3: uh, yeah so I, I instead of doing like a normal plug thing i think this is more of a you know thanking people for supporting the inevitables um this has been a wild ride and you know as we all talked about this is the beginning of the next part of the ride yeah. um So, you know, all of the plotting and, you know, as Obi was saying, all of the the refreshing of the Kickstarter every five minutes, like, and you guys all know me too. I'm just like glued to my phone all day. So I'm just constantly on Twitter, just screaming at people. Uh, I'm just very excited that the stuff is going to start physically happening now. You know, like Liana has been sending me the comic pages, which are just nuts. Uh, The record's going to be happening. First of all, I need to hear the whole damn record because I am so stoked. Um, (laughs) And, you know, everyone involved is so good at everything they do. So it's, it's been amazing.
0: Yeah.
2: Good good plug. (laughs) That was good. Uh, Dude, you know what? I'm going to add my two cents real quick on it. And it's about the inevitables, but more so just a, a headspace about creatives. It's that, Uh, when you're working with anything it's, and I kind of uh, touched on it a little bit, but when you're working with anybody and other people and you have a project and you have a group of people, it's really easy for things to kind of slide out sideways, you know, and, and people get hurt or there's miscommunication. And in this case with the inevitables, me and Obi went in with uh, the Matt Appleton, just say yes, you know, idea of, say yes more to a lot of ideas and sometimes it it didn't reach the full potential of what i thought and other times it exponentially like went that yes turned into something completely awesome right and being in orlando with alex stern and obi and finishing off the demos and just going through who do we want to be with Who, who who do we want to come along for the ride and that Matt Appleton and Billy cottage and obviously Alex Stern is there. And then that leads into, you know, trying other people out for uh, the vocals and then landing on Sean Paul, which is this like sort of completely left field choice, Uh, but he's knocking it out of the park. And I, I just want to say thanks to everybody that's involved, you know, it's uh, Jono and Devin and Matt and John and Jim, and everybody, you know, and I'll forget people, but it's been a beautiful thing, man. It's the last couple hours of this. And thank everybody, man. It It, it is amazing to work with such creative and cool people. And for me to be, to be able to bask in the shine of other people, creatives, it's a beautiful thing, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah kind of epitomies epitomizes what we've all been talking about this whole time these concentric circles of of us orbiting around each other and and making stuff that's cooler than any one person can do on their own so um i know ob you got a little bit of the lbs low blood sugar but yeah anything uh why wise, wise words to wisdom
1: <laughs> no I, I you know I, yeah, it's, it's the same thing you know i i'm just thankful for everybody involved i'm excited to um, you know, we're wrapping up some mixes. I, I have actually have three mixes here waiting for me to listen to. You. So as soon as we're done here, I'm gonna jump into that. And then, uh, <clears throat> yeah, man. You know, I'm just I'm just really thankful. and I'm grateful that that we got to do it. I'm grateful that it it worked out. I'm grateful that um, you know, Vinny and I became friends uh, all all those years ago. And that like now I've got all these cool new friends that like you know people like you, Jim and Jono. You know and I'm looking forward to, you know, working with, like, Liana more and, and jumping into the comic book side of things a bit more to see, you know, how this thing lines up with the original vision, you know. So it's uh, it's all cool, and everybody's awesome. Everybody involved is, is really awesome. Everybody involved kind of passes, you know, the parking lot test, you know, like when you're at a party or you're at some place <laughs> and, like, you know, somebody pulls up and you're just like, oh, I didn't know they were going to be here. You know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's cool that everybody, everybody has a great vibe and brings something to the table. And I think this has been like a, a a really life-giving experience, you know, um, from like the shine that Vinny is talking about, but also just like humility, like, you know, that a dude like Matt Appleton, like actually arranged horns on a record that we worked on. And then you get those arrangements and you're like, dude, it's great. when I get to wake up to a text and it's like super badass lyrics from Vinny, and you're just like, "Oh man," you know, um, and you know, it's all all little things, all the moments along the way. It's great that I get to like, I can't sleep at one a.m., so I'm going to record a demo of something and send it to Vinny and Alex, and I know they're going to listen to it in the morning, and that turns into the next thing. You know, it's like it's just really awesome to be a part of that and that to have that, you know, uh, that trust and that. That safe place that you can create it with people that you care about, you know, so it's cool. And it's
2: safe place, man. There it is. I like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Very cool. Well, that I think will do it for for this evening, everybody. Uh, take a look at concentriccircles.cc for all your concentric circles needs. And the inevitables Kickstarter may be over, but it is just the beginning for the inevitables. So keep your eyes peeled for what's happening next. And we'll see you guys later.
1: Peace. Peace.